Today on the Matt Walsh Show, what is a sexy summer camp for children? You probably don't want to know, but you're going to find out today because this is the sort of thing happening in our country. Also, with gas prices rising, the left has decided that actually high gas prices aren't so bad. Even, in fact, Americans like paying higher gas prices. We'll talk about that. And the Senate unanimously passes the anti-lynching law. Every Republican signed on to this pointless bit of virtue signaling. The Biden administration commits billions to spreading gender equity across the globe. And the guy who runs CPAC comes out in support of Leah Thomas. All that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. Well, we know, we all know, and you've experienced this yourself, inflation is out of control. And one area where we see inflation more than ever is in the grocery store. Um, even though grocery prices feel like they've doubled, Good Ranchers' prices have stayed low and affordable. So once you subscribe, the price never goes up. Okay, you're getting locked in. You get that stability, and you're getting and you're getting great prices. Um, and your best price is locked in for life. Shop Good Ranchers for all your beef, chicken, and seafood needs. Good Ranchers only sells 100% American meat for local farms and ranches. They have signature steak, uh, signature steak burgers, and um, and plenty of other uh, great items as well. Pre-trimmed and pre-marinated chicken breasts are absolutely delicious and so easy to prepare. The chicken breasts, it, it, you know, I, I think deserve an extra mention here because um, chicken breasts in general are very hard to do right, and because they're one of the most flavorless kinds of meat you can you can possibly get. They often are very dry and everything. But this chicken breast, even someone who doesn't like chicken breast, I really enjoyed uh, Good Ranchers. Of course, all their other um, items as well. So get your. $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to www.goodranchers.com slash Walsh to save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my code Walsh and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. After years of uh, complacency, ignorance, and apathy, it seems that many Americans are finally waking up to the sexual indoctrination of our children, which is happening everywhere in schools, Hollywood, media, academia, corporate America, I mean, everywhere. Um, there was last year kind of an awakening about critical race theory, decades after it had already infiltrated the school system, unfortunately, but there was an awakening, and now it seems finally that it is gender theory's turn, um, just as happened last year with critical race theory. Now we're seeing, seemingly every day, new revelations exposing just how perverse and pervasive this stuff is. So over the last 24 hours, um, there was, uh, first of all, this posted by Libs of TikTok on Twitter. It says, Kindercare, a preschool corporation with branches across America, has an extensive LGBTQ curriculum, including activities to explore gender and sexuality. This activity says to switch caps on a marker to show what you are inside doesn't always reflect what you are on the outside. Very scientific stuff. And then there's a prompt for a discussion on all the terms. They're teaching preschoolers about gender fluidity and non-binary. Um, they learn about gender stereotypes, including that boys can wear dresses and you should never assume someone's gender. They're teaching preschoolers to become activists for the LGBTQ plus community. They advise teachers to confuse preschoolers with dolls to show that you can't make assumptions about gender. This, again, is for preschoolers in 40 states. But then there's this from the Wisconsin Spotlight. It says, parents are not entitled to know their kid's gender identity, according to a recent woke training session in the Eau Claire Area School District. Empower Wisconsin has obtained a, a copy of a training slide from last Friday's staff development session, the 2021-2022 Equity Session on Safe Spaces. 
reminds teachers that parents are not entitled to know their kids' identities. Not entitled to, let me pause and back up there a second. Parents are not entitled to know their kids' identities. That knowledge must be earned. Teachers are often straddling this complex situation. In uh, ECASD, our priority is supporting the student. Um, teachers were encouraged to talk amongst yourselves. And then it goes on. Um, well, first of all, just pausing here. Parents aren't entitled to know this intimate information about their own children. Teachers are entitled to know it. Parents have to earn the knowledge. Parents must prove themselves worthy. And they do that by demonstrating their fealty to left-wing ideology. That's how you know if, uh, if, it, if you're, it's a safe space or not, right? That's how you know if uh, a child is going to be in a safe environment is if the parent is a leftist. And so before they can know this information about their child, they have to first prove that they're a leftist. Only then can they be entrusted with the secret knowledge about their own children. But the article has more. It says, a district court in 2022 issued a partial injunction against Madison Metropolitan School District's policy allowing children of any age to transition to a different identity at school without parental consent. The full case is now before the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty and the Alliance Defending Freedom filed a lawsuit on behalf of a group of parents challenging the gender identity policy that violates the rights of parents to make important health care decisions on their children's behalf. This is what the policy that they're suing about states. Um, these are the provisions. Children of any age can transition to a different gender identity at school by changing their name and pronouns without parental notice or consent of any age. So five-year-olds can do this. District employees are prohibited from notifying parents without the child's consent that their child has or wants to change gender identity at school or that their child may be dealing with gender dysphoria. Um, so essential information about your child's mental health will not be shared with the parents unless the child has the maturity to realize that, oh, my parents should know about my mental health. District employees are even in, in, instructed to deceive parents by using the child's legal name and pronouns with family while using the different name and pronoun adopted by the child in the school setting. Somehow, um, though, these two things are not the most shocking or repulsive news to come out of the grooming world this week. I think that title belongs to this, as reported by the Post Millennial. It says a Virtual summer camp aimed at people of all ages in rural, rural Appalachia um, has been revealed to have taught people, including children, about masturbation, gender diversity, self-managed abortions, and more over the summer of 2021. The so-called sexy summer camp put on by sexy sex ed was held in July and August of last year on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sexy sex ed puts on workshops that they just, where they discuss, um, that they say rather, Quote, compels teenagers and people of all ages to openly discuss personal and political consent, sexual safety, and anatomy. Using visual and performance art, open dialogue, and popular education methods, sexy sex ed fills a vital gap in the reproductive education as a creative cultural healing solution in rural Appalachia. Now, uh, journalist Christopher Ruffo has pulled some of the screenshots from this program, including images um, of the women who are running this pedophile workshop. And you can see the images there. Uh, he reports, these women are running a sexy summer camp for children in rural Kentucky with lessons on sex liberation, gender exploration, BDSM, being a sex worker, self-managed abortions, and sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. 
The founder is a woman named Tanya Turner, and she identifies herself as a femme, fat, queer, magical pleasure worker, educator, and artist. She also self-identifies as a witch. Uh, And I have no problem with that self-identification. One of her grooming comrades is Caitlin Cummings, real name, as far as I can tell. And she is a radical queer mountain woman, is how she calls herself. And then there's Kirsten Uten, who's a young, fat, differently abled community organizer. Now, interestingly enough, when you look at the pictures of these women, they all look like versions of each other. Okay, looking at their profiles, it's like looking at one of those faces of meth progressions. Except that uh, the only difference is that meth addicts tend to be um, skinny. So we, we don't have time to dissect this aspect of the issue, but there does appear to be something about the pervert groomer left that makes everyone look the same. I mean, they're indistinguishable. Um, it's as if in their descent into de- degeneracy, they shed every unique and appealing characteristic about themselves, turning into a sex-crazed yet somehow also sexless drone. And you also notice how all of these women list their fatness, which, first of all, we can see your picture. You don't need to tell us. Second, but they they list it like it's a resume booster, along with their various sexual and gender identities and so forth. And that's partly because this has become a substitute for a personality, you know, among empty, broken people. Rather than having a personality, they have labels. But it's also because... Their membership in various victim groups is their literal get-out-of-jail-free card, allowing them to, they hope, get away with being sexual deviants who prey upon children. Um, Speaking of which, one of these deviants, the the leader, the head witch, um, Tanya, the wicked witch of Pedoville, appeared in an instructional video that, that, uh, as far as I know, is part of this camp, where, or at least she's talking about her own views on things, and um, she appears in this video talking about the wonders of masturbation for children of all ages. You know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages. All ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions, and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? That's your nose, touch your nose, show Aunt T, you can touch your nose. But my sister's not saying that when they're tugging at their penis, right? But it feels good, right? We have to learn ways to talk to young people about this so that they know how to explore their body consensually so that it's not in public, right? We don't want people exploring their bodies in public. That's not consensual. But exploring your body at any age, grandmas, grandpas, all of us. I don't know why I put my earpiece in to hear that. Now, before we, we analyze what we, we just heard there, um, you should know that this freak has worked in the school systems, which will not be a surprise to you, where she admits that uh, though her job was not to teach sex ed, she always found a way anyway. Listen. In the last couple of years, I worked with the school systems, um, and my job definitely was not to teach sex ed, but I uh, explored constantly and tried to figure out ways that I could work this in somehow. Like, I'm in the school systems now. I have an end. Surely I can figure this out. So now the disturbing thing is, is that we know that sex ed for her, um, well, one of the disturbing things is if I can point to just one, but uh, it, it does not mean here's where babies come from. It means talking to kindergartners about masturbation. And, and note how she claims that people of all ages masturbate. Um, everyone does it. It's normal, uh, she says. Even toddlers do it. Now, that's not true, of course. But if it was true, 
if it was something that everyone just intuitively did at every age, then why do you need to tell people all the time that they should masturbate? I mean, leaving aside how creepy and gross that is and the fact that this woman should be in jail, I'm saying even by her own twisted freak logic, why would you need to teach something to people if you say they all do it all the time anyway? Well, the answer is that she simply enjoys talking to people, especially kids, it seems, about her sexual habits and her fantasies. Um, now, if she was an old man walking up to a kid at the bus stop and asking the child if he masturbates, we would label him a sex predator and we would throw him in prison. Should the response be any different here? Of course not. But though this woman has run into criticism, only from people on the right, of course, because the left fully endorses all of this, though she's been criticized and now the people involved in sexy summer camp are trying to scrub all evidence of it from the internet, uh, putting the, taking the website down and everything, it's too late though. In spite of the criticism, she's not going to be arrested. They will not face any repercussions aside from angry comments from one side of the political aisle, which, which they, can, they can write off and dismiss as simply uh, bigotry. And that's because this is not an anomaly. This is not some sort of extreme outlier. This sort of thing is happening everywhere. It's part of an agenda. It's part of a conspiracy. One that now, hopefully, finally, we're waking up to. Now let's get to our five headlines. Now, as gas prices go up um, across the country, you know, the new narrative from the media, and it's, it's not going to get any better with um, Biden yesterday announcing that now they're going to ban oil from Russia uh, and they're going to look to make that up by going to Venezuela instead. But that disruption is only going to make the situation even worse. So so Biden is is far from attempting, even incompetently or ineffectively, to solve the problem. He's actually currently in the process of making it worse. So it's, it's hard to even imagine. You can look at some of the speculation, but it's, it's hard to imagine how bad this is going to get. And we, we also know that it's going to get worse because, um, a lot of this is, is based on expectation and speculation. And Biden is out there when he's asked about this, are gas prices going to go down? He said, no, they're not going down. They're just going to get worse for a while. That's what he's saying. Not exactly imbuing confidence um, into the you know into the marketplace and, and for the public. Um, so what are, what are we going to do about this? They're they're not going to bring the, they're not going to do anything to bring the gas prices down. They're only going to make it worse. As we've talked about on this show, they also they consider this a positive ultimately because it's part of the it's a, it's an opportunity for trans transformation. Um, and we uh, I just saw a, a post on Twitter. Someone I think it was one of these dumb pseudo celebrity I think maybe it was Bette Midler or someone but put put a you know had a, a, a meme they put out that oh well you know um wind wind power has gone up by zero dollars and zero cents well okay so what am I going to do put a sail on my car I might turn my car into a sailboat maybe stick a you know an umbrella outside my window or a kite or something and hope that it pulls me along um no, they consider this an opportunity. And so for them, it's not even a problem. And they're not going to do anything to fix it. So what, what's the narrative? What's the approach? The approach is to convince us, I mean, quite, a quite literal form of gaslighting. The approach now is to convince us that actually high gas prices are good and we like it. We all love when we go to the gas pump and we see that, that, dollar, those, that, that dollar amount going up and up and up. We love it. We love every second of it. 
Uh, here is CNN explaining how just regular Americans are excited for the opportunity to pay more for gas. Here at home at the pump, a lot higher, Kate. But as you mentioned, people we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks, they're okay paying higher prices if it means holding Russia accountable for what they are doing in Ukraine. But these prices are likely going to creep higher, Kate. We'll see how they feel in the next week or so. Kate? Yeah, and the big question, the big unknown is, do any of these moves change Putin's behavior, change the way he is acting right now, what he is doing right now? Uh, so, yeah, regular Americans are happy to pay more for gas if it means holding Putin accountable. Um, I have, I, I, like everybody else as a regular American myself and being around regular Americans, just regular people, I have not heard that perspective from anyone. Um, I have not heard a single person. I think I can guarantee that they did not talk to a single person. This is just their assumption. Um, I mean, they're, they're doing this outside of, she's, she's got, she's doing this remote outside of a gas station. But noticeably, even though she's outside of a gas station, she's not actually interviewing anyone to hear them say so that we can get the example of someone saying, oh, yeah, as long as we're holding Putin accountable. <laughs> like, that's, like that's a thing that a normal person would say. When we're all sitting around, I mean, we've all had these conversations where you sit around complaining about the gas prices. Have you been that when you're in your living room, or you're talking to someone, you're in the break room, and you say, oh, man, these gas prices. Well, you know what? I'm okay with it if it means we can hold Putin accountable. That's if someone says that, that's someone who needs some good old-fashioned bullying. You know, that's someone give him a wedgie, a swirly in the in the uh, toilet or something. That, that's that's what that person needs. No, that's not any regular person. What any regular person would say. And I have to tell you, um, I am not okay. As I've been saying all along, I'm I am actually not okay with my family or your family or anyone's family in America being forced to make significant sacrifices in their life for the sake of Ukraine, because that's what this really is, okay? It's not holding Putin accountable in general. Um, no, it's, it's for the sake of Ukraine. Nothing against Ukraine. Nothing in favor of Putin. But no one has made an argument. No one has made a compelling, coherent argument as to why Americans should suffer for the sake of Ukraine. No one has explained that to me. All we've heard is this hysterical nonsense about how this is just like World War II and Putin is just like Hitler. And, uh, you know, he takes over Ukraine. Next thing you know, he's taking over all of Europe. Next thing you know, he's going to be in France. That's all we've heard. And that is, that is hysterical nonsense. I've not heard any sober assessment or sober analysis explaining why Americans should have to make sacrifices in this case. And our sacrifices aren't done. The sacrifices that none of us signed up for or agreed to. Sacrifices that, by the way, um, I don't think Ukraine would make for the United States. Because this is the position that we're in as Americans all the time. Where we, we, we're always told that we have to make these great sacrifices for other countries. Those other countries are not making any sacrifices willingly for us. When does it ever go the other way? These other countries, what are they, do, what are they doing for Americans? Like, what are they, what sacrifices are, um, they making for the sake of American families? Well, they're not. And you can't blame them because they're focused on their own nations, their own countries, their own borders. That's the healthy way to approach it. So they're right. We're not done making sacrifices. We just sent, uh, 
uh, it was agreed that I think it's $16 billion we're going to send over for Ukrainian aid. Oh, nothing. Just $16 billion. Okay, our cities look like third world countries in refugee camps already. Every city you drive through, they're just like, it's they're tent refugee camps set up on sidewalks. Our border essentially doesn't exist. So I can think of a lot of ways that we could use $16 billion, but instead we're going to send it to Ukraine to protect Ukraine's border, not ours. Again, these are sacrifices that uh, we all have to make. They won't tell us why. And we should be happy making them. But, you know, the, the rich people in media, it's no big deal to them. Stephen Colbert, he's another one, had a very similar take to CNN saying that, hey, we should be, uh, we should be grateful for making this, this sacrifice and paying a little bit more. And, and besides, he doesn't care. It doesn't affect him. Listen. I'll tell you what, I will never complain about a destination wedding again. <laughs> Russia has been hit with a series of crippling sanctions, and it looks like there's more to come because the U.S. and its European allies are now discussing banning imports of Russian oil. Take that, Putin. We're not going to buy our gas from a war criminal. We're going to buy it from the good guys, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> but it's going to cost. Since the invasion, oil prices have skyrocketed. Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over $4 per gallon. Okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. I'm willing to pay... It's important. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. Right now, people all over the world are trying to find uh, inventive ways to help ordinary Ukrainians. Yeah, we've got to help those ordinary Ukrainians. Forget about ordinary Americans. The ordinary Americans can go to hell. That's the message. You can go to hell. The Ukrainians are the ones who matter. So our politicians are, you know, walking around the Capitol with Ukrainian flags on, flying the Ukrainian flag because they're the ones who matter. Uh, As for ordinary Americans, go to hell. Just pay more. Stop whining. Your country's being invaded. Okay, your jobs are being taken away. Your sovereignty is being destroyed. Your way of life is being annihilated. But, uh, but you know, that, that's, that's, that, that's your problem. You know who I hate the most when I listen to that clip? It's not Stephen Colbert. It's, the, it's the, the seals in the audience clapping along. When this multi-millionaire is getting paid tens of millions of dollars... Yeah, he stands up there and says, well, for a clean conscience, I'll pay a buck or two. Yeah, of course he will. You know the thing about Stephen Colbert? He's not only a millionaire, but he's and he has a Tesla, as he points out himself. He's not driving around anyway. He's got people driving him. He's not even paying for his own gas. For a clean conscience, I'll pay a buck or two. You know, I, I, this is something that shouldn't need to be explained. And it doesn't need to be explained to most people listening to this, because if you're just a, a, an ordinary person, you know this. But... Um, a, a spike in gas prices to this extent, it's not a small inconvenience. This is just like what they told us about, you know, it's once again, the early days of COVID all over again. It's, it's deja vu every day. I feel like I'm reliving that nightmare once again. Because it's the mass hysteria, people being tricked into going along with things that don't make a lot of sense, being, being uh, tricked into or compelled to make, quote, sacrifices for reasons that are unclear. And it's just like that. They said, oh, it's a minor inconvenience. Just stay home for a week or two, which turned into a month or two, which turned into a year. 
you know, sacrifice uh, multiple paychecks, just a small sacrifice. Yeah, we, the people telling you that because we're in media and government and everything else in Hollywood, we're not making those sacrifices. We're still going to get paid. And we already get paid more in a month than you make in a year. And we're making those paychecks, but we want you to, so- to forfeit your paychecks. It's a small inconvenience. Oh, also wear the mask and have your kids wear it. It's a small inconvenience. That's all it is. Sure, it's, it's causing psychological damage and uh, developmental delays um, that kids may never fully recover from, but it's a small inconvenience. Now, it's the same thing with gas prices. Small inconvenience, small sacrifice. Just a buck or two, he says. Yeah, a buck or two a gallon, Stephen. And there's more than one gallon you're putting in your car. It's, it's, that adds up. It just, they'll just add up. I mean, that that very quick, that's not even something that adds up. It's just all at once. That is a, an enormous pain that you are inflicting on a lot of American families. Um, I've certainly been in places in my life when um, gas prices go up. If they spike like they are right now, I simply would not have been able to afford it. I just, I don't have the money. I would have to, I can't get to work anymore. You know, you need to spend the gas money to get to work, but you can't afford to get to work anymore. But if you're not going to work, then you can't afford the gas. And it's this vicious cycle that you're living in. This is a very real thing that millions of Americans right now are are experiencing. Um, No, it's not worth it for a clean conscience. Do you know why? Because my conscience is not at all troubled by anything that's happening in Ukraine. I got nothing to do with it. Yeah, the fact that we have to get our oil from places like Russia, and now we're just getting it from Venezuela anyway, so it's no improvement. That's not ideal, but I don't have, that doesn't do anything to my conscience. That was my decision. If it was up to me, we'd be uh, utilizing our own resources. But I'm not the one who made those choices. Um. Here's the last thing I'll say about this. Never listen to these people again when they talk about the minimum wage and how much they care about raising the minimum wage so that everyone has a living wage. That has obviously always just been um, a banner. You know, that's been a bumper sticker slogan. These people don't give the slightest damn about working people. Because if they care so much about adding a couple bucks to the minimum wage, even though the vast majority of American workers are not minimum wage workers, you know, this is something that you're doing for teenagers who are living at home. Those are the people making minimum wage, especially the ones that are making minimum wage. You know, there are not very many working adults who are making minimum wage um, for any extended period of time. So that's what we have to do for working people is raise the minimum wage, which will only help if it helps anyone at all. And ultimately, it doesn't even help the people it's supposed to help because they're going to get fired and replaced by, you know, the automated machines at McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. But if it helps anyone at all, it's a small sliver of gas prices, though. That is a significant suffering you're inflicting on all working people, and they don't care about that. All right. This is from NPR. Um, The Senate. Once again, showing how much they care about people unanimously passed a bill on Monday that criminalizes lynching and makes it... I can't, I can't even get past the first sentence from NPR. A bill that criminalizes lynching and makes it punishable by up to, by up to 30 years in prison. What? So that's what it is now? Before it was, we're making it a hate crime. Now it crim- 
So it wasn't a crime before? It's not even that it wasn't a hate crime before. That was what they originally thought. Now they're telling us that they had to pass the bill because it wasn't even a crime. Did you know that? Before they passed this bill, you could just go out and lynch anybody. And the cops would walk by and say, oh, you just lynched someone? Okay. That apparently it was, it was not a crime. Um, the bill sailed through the House of Representatives last month, and President Biden is expected to sign it. While it eased through both chambers of Congress, this time with virtually no opposition, the path to passage took more than 100 years and 200 failed attempts. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, Republican, was very excited about this and wanted to take credit for it. He said, tonight the, the Senate passed my anti-lynching legislation, taking a necessary and long overdue step toward a more unified and just America. After working on this issue for years, I'm glad to have partnered with colleagues on both sides of the aisle to finally get this done. You know, there, there are plenty of um, conservatives you hear from who, for some reason, want Tim Scott. They, they see him as the future of the Republican Party. They want him to run in 2024. Tim Scott is the, is the definition of a, just, of a, of a milquetoast establishment Republican. And it's not any different. Oh, but he's black, though. So we run him, right? And then we'll outsmart the left, and, and, and they won't be able to criticize him. Because we know how well that worked with Clarence Thomas. But, you know, go check in with uh, Candace Owens and find out how, how much your skin color covers you from the left criticizing you. But Tim Scott, I mean, there's no reason to single him out. I, I, I single him out because he singled himself out and took credit for this ridiculous empty, pointless virtue signaling that they're engaging in when there are real problems in the world and Americans are actually suffering and they're not suffering from being lynched because nobody's been lynched in this country for 40 years. And even when they were lynched, it was already a crime multiple times over. But this is what they're, uh, this is what they're, they're focusing on. And every Republican in the Senate voted for it. You know, every single one. There, between the House and the Senate, there were three Republicans, Thomas Massey being one of them, um, who, who said, we're not going to go along with this. And he explained his reasons, which is, is that the bill is totally unnecessary. It is already a crime to lynch people. You're already going to prison, potentially worse than that. If anything, the irony is with this, because they're saying that it's up to 30 years in prison. Well, prior to this, if you actually lynched someone, you were guaranteed to life in prison at a minimum. That's premeditated first degree murder. So this, if any, if this accomplishes anything, if it changes the way that lynching is handled by the courts, it just makes the penalty lighter than it was before. Um, so that's one reason not to support it. Totally unnecessary. Lynching is already a crime. And if you're lynching someone, as I, as I pointed out last week, if you're lynching someone, which no one has done in 40 years, but if you're the first person in 40 years to do this, then and you're lynching someone for racial reasons, which is what this is really focused on, you have committed first-degree murder, so you're going to jail for the rest of your life for that, and that's already a hate crime. So this bill does not change a damn thing. The only reason why this bill was uh, written in the first place and pushed through is, again, empty, pointless virtue signaling, because this is what the people in charge of our country are, are interested in right now. And also to, to help enforce the narrative that uh, we are a systemically racist country. Because when people hear about the anti-lynching law, the, the stupid people out there, you know, the, the kinds of people, by the way, who hear about the so-called don't say gay bill and say, oh, so you mean that, that in Florida, you, 
if, if you say the word gay, there's alarms are going to go off and there's going to be, uh, you know, cops are going to rappel down from helicopters and execute you on the spot and throw you into a fire. Um, the same people who buy that, who think that it's actually illegal now in this whole state of Florida to say the word gay, are the same ones who, when they hear about this legislation, they say, oh my gosh. So it was legal to lynch people this whole time. And if we needed this bill so much, that mean, that must mean that people were getting lynched all the time. I've never seen it myself ever or heard of such a thing ever, but it must be happening. So that's what it was meant to do. Virtue signaling and a narrative of systemic racism and every Republican in the Senate went along with it. That's cowardice. Here's courage. Um, from the Daily Wire, J.K. Rowling slammed a new transgender bill that would lower the age at which a person can legally change their gender to um, uh, from 18 to 16, a move that she said will hurt the most vulnerable women in our society. The first minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, introduced a gender recognition reform bill that allows a trans person to legally change their gender and receive a new birth certificate with their gender on it through easier means than before. Um, The author said, the law Nicola Sturgeon's trying to pass in Scotland will harm the most vulnerable women in society, those seeking help after male violence slash rape and incarcerated women. Um, Statistics show that imprisoned women are already far more likely to have been previously abused. Um, Rowling followed up her post, noting that multiple women's groups have presented well-sourced evidence to Nicola Sturgeon's government about the likely negative consequences of this legislation for women and girls, especially the most vulnerable. And as we know, J.K. Rowling has been on this sort of... um, Crusade, and I say that in, in the most positive way possible, um, for a long time. And as she was going back and forth about this on Twitter, so, someone hit her with the thing that I'm very familiar with, which is uh, the old, uh, are you sure you want to die on this hill? And a, a woman by the name of Wanda said to J.K. Rowling, you really want your legacy to die on this hill, J.K. Rowling? And Rowling responded, yes, sweetheart, I'm staying right here on this hill, defending the right of women and girls to talk about themselves, their bodies, and their lives in any way they damn well please. You worry about your legacy, I'll worry about mine. Um, I mean, this this is real courage from, from J.K. Rowling, and I'll always give her credit for it, even though if she were ever made aware of who I am, she would probably hate my guts and disagree with everything that I say, except on the topic of gender. And even on the topic of gender, she'd probably disagree with most of what I say, because she's not even taking the position that transgenderism itself is uh, is sort of like incoherent. Um, at least she's not openly taking that position. She's taking a much more minimalist approach to this. And really focusing on the ways that, you know, women, the, the children are indoctrinated into it, uh, you know, w- the way women's sports teams are being invaded, locker rooms and prisons and that sort of thing. But even that minimalist approach to this issue will still put you in line for an unimaginable avalanche of hatred and outrage, especially if you're someone like J.K. Rowling, as famous as she is and famous not um, in, you know, conservative media, but famous mainstream, having cultivated this fan base, um, many of whom, you know, are leftists. And she has chosen, just because she believes in this issue, she has chosen to, yeah, she's got a billion dollars, but she's chosen to do something that's going to alienate many of her fans. It's going to hurt her career prospects going forward, and it's going to detract from her bottom line. And I guarantee it already has. Um, and even if you have a billion dollars, I mean, even if you have money and power, we've seen that it takes courage to do that. And that is courage that almost no one in our culture has to do something because it's the right thing 
knowing that you will not benefit from it in any way. You're not going to benefit financially. You're not going to benefit with uh, more fame. I mean, J.K. Rowling can't get more famous than she already was. You're not going to benefit by all the applause and adulation you receive. Because instead, you're going to be mocked and jeered. Almost no one has the courage for that. J.K. Rowling on this issue has vastly more courage than almost every elected Republican in the country. And almost every prominent conservative in the country as well. More courage even than the guy who runs CPAC. And we'll talk about that in the Daily Cancellation. Come on up in a minute. Um, Okay, what else do we got here? So... Uh, from the Daily Wire, it says more than 100 million U.S. Ta- uh, households, or 61% of all American taxpayers, paid no federal income taxes in 2021, according to a report from the Tax Policy Center. One Republican senator says that's simply not okay, demanding that all Americans should have some skin in the game. Senator Rick Scott of Florida, unlike most members of the GOP, has no problem urging tax increases. Last month, the senator unveiled a plan that said all Americans should pay some income tax to have skin in the game, even if a small amount Currently, over half of Americans pay no income tax. Um, and so he's actually trying to raise the income tax rate um, so that everyone at least is, or not even really raise the rate, but increase the number of people who are paying income tax. And here, here's the way I look at that, because we, we are, and it is important to point this out, because we're always told how, you know, the rich people aren't paying their fair share and everything. But when it comes to the income tax, in fact, the, the rich people are paying almost everything. Okay, they're paying almost everything. And then you've got a huge swath of the American public that pays no federal income tax at all. Now, I'm in favor. So this is kind of an awkward issue for me because, you know, I have two views on this that may seem to be intention, but I think actually they're not. I'm in favor of abolishing the IRS. I can't imagine how anyone could not be in favor of that. Um, Get rid of the income tax. And then we can focus on, uh, you know, consumption taxes, other kinds of taxes to not make up for all of the income tax that's being taken away because the government already brings in, you know, three to four trillion dollars and they waste a huge amount of it. So they're bringing in way too much money as it is. I'm in favor of getting rid of the income tax. I think ideally, you know, in the perfect world, you get rid of the income tax and you replace it with nothing. So that's. 40% or so of the government's income that you're taking away and saying, now make do with the 60%, which, which means you still have, you know, trillions to, to play around with and to waste. So that ultimately is what I would like to say. I'm against the the federal income tax completely. I'm against income taxes in general. I mean, I, I have a philosophical problem with the idea that the government can just take its a portion of your income can come in and, and with the withholding system that they can come in and take it before you even get your hands on it. So they take what they want of your income and then give you the remainder. And if they take too much, then they hold on to it for a year and give you back the, 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 the extra without any interest at all. I've got a big problem with that. But if we're going to have the income tax, um, then everyone should be taking part in it. If we're going to have it, then there should be some real equality here. Kind of the way I feel about hate crime laws. I don't think hate crime laws should exist. I don't think that should be a category that exists. But if you're going to have them, then they should be applied equally. So I'd say the same thing with uh, hate crimes. Finally, uh, important story here that I've had, haven't had a chance to mention. 
from uh, Variety says, Harvey Weinstein was caught with contraband milk duds in November, prompting a reprimand from L.A. County jail guards. According to records viewed by Variety, the milk duds were found during a search on November 10th after Weinstein had a face-to-face meeting with one of his attorneys. And apparently they, uh, they smuggled in the milk duds and Weinstein had to apologize officially to the court. He said, this was an innocent misunderstanding. It will not happen again. I've been a model inmate following the rules and regulations and I'm sincerely sorry. The only reason that I'm bringing this up, wait, why am I bringing this up? I have no idea. Well, because why, like taking that risk for milk duds, that's my only problem here. There are a selection of candies that I would try to sneak into prison as contraband, risking my freedom for. Um, Milk duds don't make the list. That list is Mike and Ike's, Snickers, gourmet jelly beans, not the big ones, okay, but the, the small gourmet ones. Um, Milky Way bar. I'll throw in a Twix. That's what I'm risking my freedom for. Milk duds. Repulsive and shameful. Harvey Weinstein. You should be ashamed for a lot of reasons, but you know, that is certainly among them. Let's get now to the comment section. Okay. Dailywire.com slash sweet baby comments. We're going to try this. I don't know why. Um, Let's go to clip 10. Hey, Matt. My name's Yona. I'm the co-creator of the honorary mention SBG anthem you hear playing in the background. I come bearing a very important message from delegates of the Sweet Baby Gang. Hi. Not Jen Ledger here. It's your boy Asian Glow, a.k.a. Sweet Baby Glow. My name is Zangtar, Queen of the Moon. My name is Amanda. And my preferred pronouns are Texan and sometimes pirate. My preferred pronouns are we and shopping bag. My preferred pronouns are and a long awkward silence no less than four seconds long. Now I have one question for you. Sweet Sweet Daddy Walsh, when are you joining the Sweet Baby Gang Facebook group? Why haven't you joined the Facebook Facebook group yet? We're waiting for you. Your sweet babies need you. And you're just letting us down. I'm cordially inviting you to join the loyalists of your sweet babies. So, what are you waiting for? Come on, man. You have like one week, and then I'm done with it, and all of my shopping carts are going directly in the middle of the driving lane. Till then, we'll be crawling aimlessly through the metaverse. Sweet baby. Also, give me credit here. You can see how hard I'm trying to grow a beard, and it's not working out well. But that's my dedication, so it's your turn to step up. Daddy. I'm Hudson Little, admin of the Sweet Baby Gang Facebook chapter, and I approve this message. Um, so what's happened here, basically, is that the video comments have become really nothing more than a forum for my own listeners to troll me. And I feel deeply betrayed. I find it offensive, first of all, because you know that I'm not, I'm opposed to trolling. Trolling is something that I would, I would never do. I oppose it in principle. And frankly, I thought that when we started doing the video comment feature, all of you guys would, would send in really intelligent videos where you're sitting in like fancy chairs, smoking a pipe and pontificating eloquently about, you know, like quantum physics or whatever. I thought this would class the show up. That was the idea. I can't make the, the show any smarter because I'm stupid. So what I need is other people to have really smart content that I could just put into the show. Um, make us all seem smarter. 
and elevate the entire experience. And instead, it's turned into this. <sighs> yeah, you know, nice editing, though, on that video. I'll give them that. Um, and, and no, I'm not going to join the Facebook group. I'm, I'm sorry to say. I didn't even know that I had a Facebook group. But I appreciate that I have it. And thank you so much for that comment. You're all banned from the show. Um, Captain Criticized says, Matt, I have to correct you. There is, in fact, another type of body shaming that is even more prevalent and permissible in our society than thin shaming. Shaming men's height is widely known in exercise, especially by fat women who really don't have any room to talk, probably because they take up all the room. Um, I don't know. That, 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 again, you know, just like trolling, I don't, any kind of jokes about weight and, and, and size, I don't, we don't do that on this show. So how dare you? But well, you're, you're right, though, actually. Um, you actually raise a good point because that is, that is true. And that's why we know all the talk about body shaming and everything. It is, uh, it's all completely empty because that is one form of actual body shaming that people do all the time. And uh, there's not a lot of, it doesn't get a lot of press. Nobody's worried about it. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is that, again, the, the body positivity, anti-body shaming stuff is, is always focused on women. And so... You know, women might get made fun of a little bit for being short, but that's not nearly as common. I mean, women in general are shorter, and uh, you could be a, a woman on the shorter side, and it's not really going to cause a lot of problems for you. But as a man, you know, it creates it could create some serious problems. Um, one of the problems being, as much as we were told yesterday by the woman that we played in the Daily Cancellation, that, you know, women are much more enlightened in their sexual attraction. Well, a lot of women, they're, they're not going to go for a shorter guy, you know. Um, so... That's why I don't think it gets the same amount of presses because it, it's something that's something that affects men, and this is this only goes around women. Because also the other thing that we're told is like, well, only women are ever body shamed. Men don't have to deal with that, which of course is completely completely ridiculous. Um, Don Lee says, "Thank you, Matt Walsh, for singing for not singing Imagine today, like Michael and Ben, SBG for life." Is that? They both sang Imagine? Is that, what, is that what actually happened? Is this a joke? I would have thought it was a joke, except that it was a, there was another comment that mentioned this occurrence as well. And I, I don't know what happened. I'm out of the, the state right now. I leave the state, and, this is, and, and all hell breaks loose. If so, uh, then it, needless to say, um, they're both banned from, from the Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro is fired because I have that authority. All right, we have just a little over 24 hours um, until we get to the premiere of our next big hit, The Hyperions. The film is exactly what entertainment in Hollywood is missing these days. It's not woke, it has zero agenda, and it couldn't care less about your pronouns or your politics because when it comes to entertainment, it's just about having fun, and that's what this movie is. You can see it for yourself. Uh, check out the trailer. Good day, Hyperion Club members. We've come for one thing. Our Titan badges. This Titan badge can grant an individual superhuman power. Perhaps it's time for someone else to take on the responsibility. On my way. She's trying to destroy me. Thy Appearance is a dysfunctional family film with throwback vibes, and it's 100% worth the stream. We'll be streaming the film once on March 10th for all of YouTube. That's the last time we're going to be premiering a movie on YouTube. If you want to get any movie or any of our content after that, you got to become a Daily Wire subscriber. So head to dailywire.com slash subscribe so you don't miss out on any more of our content going forward. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So, Matt... 
Schlapp is an influential and powerful figure in conservative politics. He's the chair of the American Conservative Union, which organizes and hosts CPAC each year. CPAC, of course, is the largest annual gathering of conservatives. Um, what are the conservatives at CPAC or running CPAC trying to conserve, though? I mean, that's always the question that we, we face as conservatives. Uh, and I know how I answer it, but I'm wondering about Matt's answer today after this tweet from, from him, from the head of CPAC. Referring to Leah Thomas, the uh, the male swimmer who competes against women, Schlapp said, no matter what one thinks of Leah's ability to swim with women, her story deserves our compassion. It will be interesting to hear Leah's point of view in 30 years. Now, Schlapp continued a little bit later in response to criticism from another conservative named Jenna Ellis. Schlapp said, Jenna, all I'm saying is is in the end, trans people deserve our love and compassion. We should defend girl sports against competing with men aggressively. But in the end, remember that all people deserve respect. Kind of simple. If showing decency makes you boycott CPAC, I'm good with it. Then a few minutes later, he followed up and said, Jenna, this is a fake or a false controversy. You're upset with CPAC because we didn't invite you to speak. We score the bills aimed at protecting girl sports and our kids from gender confusion and indoctrination. I don't wish to normalize it, but simply just deal with it with, with compassion. Okay, so... There are a few different things going on here, all of them embarrassing for Matt Schlapp. The first is that he's resorting to the classic tactic of weak minds by refusing to engage with the criticism and instead impugning the motives of the person who is making the criticism. Now, I don't know if Jenna is upset that she wasn't invited to CPAC, but whether she is or isn't, that is little bearing on the conversation. And Schlapp also hammers this point about compassion. This is the shield that people hide behind to excuse their apathy and their acquiescence. Trans people deserve love and compassion, he says. Well, um, yes, they deserve love and compassion to the same degree that we as Christians are called to have love and compassion for everyone. That's not news. Nobody's saying otherwise. By repeating this talking point, Schlapp is implicitly advancing the leftist narrative that criticism of the trans agenda is born out of hatred towards trans people personally. It's about on level with saying that, you, you know, you must hate black people if you criticize BLM. This is what we're getting from the guy who runs CPAC. And how do we, how do we, how do we show love uh, and compassion to trans people or to anyone else? Do we express love and compassion by cooperating with delusion, by surrendering to lies, by agreeing with falsehoods? No, there's no love or compassion absent of truth. There's no love or compassion absent of truth. There's also no love or compassion absent of justice and fairness. The truth is that Leah Thomas is a man. That's the truth. The other truth is that he is knowingly putting his own desires ahead of the rights of the girls that he is exploiting. Um, he's, he's also exposing himself to them in the locker room, knowing that they're uncomfortable with it. Justice demands that we condemn sick and perverse behavior like that. A man who walks into a, a, a woman's locker room and disrobes, that behavior should be condemned. Justice, which is both loving and compassionate, calls us to defend the girls against Thomas, not Thomas against the girls. And what about the girls who are the actual victims here? Schlapp chose to focus on the dudes stealing the medals and trophies and sexually harassing them in the locker room rather than focus on the women he's victimizing. He cries for compassion for one, ignoring the other. And actually, it's worse than that because he didn't say that Leah Thomas himself deserves compassion. He said that his his story, or rather her story, as he put it, deserves compassion. The story of Leah Thomas is what Leah Thomas is doing, right? It's his actions, his behavior. That's the story. 
I'm not exactly sure how one can have compassion for a story, but I assume that it means being understanding, you know, tolerant, accepting. I am none of those things when it comes to Leah Thomas's behavior. Far from understanding or tolerant, we ought to be angry. That's the appropriate and morally healthy response to selfish, deranged, destructive behavior. You know, we hear a lot about how uh, there's so much anger in the country today and, and people are too angry. We've stopped being angry. I think our, I think our problem is, is, you know, really almost precisely the opposite of that. There should be a lot more anger than there is. Most of what, what we call anger is performative. It's not actually real. And there are a lot of people pretending to be angry about things that they're not really angry about. There are people who are uh, who, who notice things that ought to make them angry, and they pretend to be angry, but they aren't really. And you know that based on how, what they're saying and how they're engaging with it and how quickly they move on from these things. You, you should, the story of someone like Leah Thomas, should instinctively fill you with anger towards him. That should be your intuitive response. And if, if it's not, then there's a deeper problem going on within you. But the misappropriation of the word compassion is not the biggest problem here. The biggest problem, and the thing that Schlapp tried to paper over in his follow-up tweets, is that he referred to Thomas, a male, as her. This, to me, is the unforgivable sin. Because as soon as you start playing the preferred pronoun game, you've forfeited reality. You've surrendered. You've raised the white flag. You've given up everything. That's not an exaggeration. If in submission to the left, you're going to refer to men as women and women as men, then what else is there to argue about? Are are you going to draw the line somewhere else after you've already abandoned objective reality? Where will that line be? And and where are you going to draw it? You can't draw it in reality. You've already given up on that. Not only is the pronoun thing a hill worth dying on, as uh, J.K. Rowling says, there's... There's rarely been a hill more worth dying on. You know, many conservatives now, Schlapp included, have run screaming from this hill, dropping their swords and their banners and and fleeing off into the forest. Only to later find some smaller little mound in the shadow of the big hill where they can pretend to, to make their principled stand. But it's too late for that because you've surrendered objective truth. There's nothing else. Now, Schlapp in damage control mode has tried to backtrack from most of this. The Daily Wire reports, quote, In a Tuesday afternoon statement, Schlapp promised that CPAC believes in fiercely defending girls and women's sports at every level, including in state legislative chambers. The left's war on gender must be confronted, and CPAC will continue doing just that, the statement said, and we will continue to demonstrate decency to all those involved. His use of the pronoun her was, quote, not an intentional statement one way or another, Schlapp said in a late afternoon phone interview with Daily Wire. I was just quickly responding in a tweet, he said. Not an intentional statement, but you wrote it. Did you write it by accident? Was the cat walking across your keyboard? Actually, the the unintentional excuse makes it worse. Because if Schlapp is at the point of, of you know, where he, where he unconscious, unconsciously calls men her, if that's where he's at now, then he's even farther gone than it first appeared. He's been conditioned. He's been brainwashed. It is a very unnatural and awkward thing to use the word her when referring to a dude. A person may get to the point where they utilize the preferred pronoun without thinking about it, but that means that they've been totally conditioned by the left. Their natural reflexes have been rewired. Now, is that what is happening here? 
Or was he making the deliberate and conscious choice to use language that affirms left-wing gender ideology? Either way, it's bad. And either way, we must say that Matt Schlapp is today canceled. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 